Hello. Episode five. We are trucking along. Um, it's halfway to ten. Correct maths. Um, I keep I keep getting it wrong in my head, so I keep sitting down to watch one of your lady films, and yep. especially this one. And I thought, oh, this would be a nice, charming, cutesy film about a boy who wants to dance. Uh, and then it like slaps you in the face with its northeast f bombs all over the place, and. I thought you'd kind of enjoy that it wasn't just a girly, lovely film. I thought you wanted a bit of F-bombs. And, a, you know, it, it's like a bit gritty and there's minors and there's... I thought that made it a bit more not too girly a film. I think this goes back to the conversation we had the other the other time, maybe Moulin Rouge, where I watched, I watched films to, like, relax and mm. take my head out of it. And you don't. And so every time I sit down to watch a film, I'm still sort of thinking, this will be nice. This will be restful. This will be a, a night off. A nice, relaxing film like Gladiator, where like a woman got chopped in <laughs> half. A nice, nice, relaxing bit of decapitation. I love a bit of like... <laughs> I love to relax with a bubble bath and, and some decapitation. decapitation. That's probably how Thatcher relaxed in those <laughs> days, isn't it? I shall have a bubble bath and shut down some minds. I think Gladiator and The Matrix don't sit as close to real life as Billy Elliot. So we talked about... Yeah. I don't want to think about my real life when I'm watching a film. And when I'm watching Billy Elliot, I grew up in the north of England, the northwest, not the northeast. And I grew up not very rich like we were quite poor there was did you want to be a dancer no i (laughs) wanted to be a concert pianist actually did you yeah i think i wanted to play piano for money when i was a kid and then my seven-year-old piano teacher crushed my dreams oh yeah i've heard that story yeah it's very sad um she might be listening i think she's (laughs) probably dead so she'll be listening from hell where she deserves (laughs) to be that's a heavy end to that story (laughs) Um, so I sat there sort of watching this thinking, oh, it's a bit grim. And then the first 45 minutes, there's like two people who are nice in the whole 45 minutes. And you just think, oh, this is it. I mean, and so he's nice. Felt, uh, Billy's all right. He's, he's trying to be nice. His friend, Michael, is yeah. nice. And is it Debbie, the girl? Yeah. Do you not think the teacher's sort of nice? Mm, no, I didn't. But maybe that's coloured by at, at the end when he gets in, she's like, it's not really that happy. You know, like he goes to see her and says, I got in. And she's like, yeah, so. I was like, you could, I wrote down, you could have been happy for him. But I think mm. she was jealous. And I think there was a lot of like. Maybe she was sad he was leaving. I think Michael and Debbie, the two kids, were sad he was leaving. I think there's a lot of kind of the grown-ups being sad and jealous and angry and locked in emotions. Like, there's a lot of machismo that's... What's a machismo? It's the full word of macho. That's where macho derives from. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, it's educational as well as ranty. Okay, so do you think it was a good film? Yes. Woo! Good film, well made, compelling story, not restful. 
and uh, but I think that's I wanted to get, say that near the start because I think that was my mistake. Okay, it was actually sadder than I kind of remember it to be. Like all the way through, it is quite sad. Like even when he gets in, it's it's sort of it's sort of sad. Yeah, I kept expen ex- expecting there to be like, oh, this is the happy bit, and. Even right at the end, we should probably talk about how it all plays out if yeah. you haven't watched it. But right at the end, spoiler: Billy Elliot is is a pre primo ballerina in um, Swan Lake, Matthew Bourne's Swan Lake, and that's like the pinnacle of dancers, of ballet dancers. And his dad and his brother come down to watch him, but it's not like it's not like a hap- it wasn't like a happy, joyous scene. It's not like the end of ep- uh, Star Wars Episode One, where there's like cannons going off, and uh, I know you haven't seen that, don't worry. Confetti and stuff. So let's talk about. Should we talk about how it? The, oh the yeah, plot Ta- of the film? tell me the plot. Um, in the beginning was the Billy, and the Billy lives in squalor with his gran and his dad and his elder brother, and his mum is dead. It's not quite squalor. It's a house much like our first house, together, a little terrace. I Just guess, like where we used to live. I guess the difference is, inside, our house still had a woman's touch. Oh yeah, the decor was awful, but that's just the eight. I just blame that on the eighties, not poverty. Um, and I guess the house that Billy Elliot lives in reflects the fact that there's three men looking after it, and they don't care about it. Okay, someone got murdered right outside our. Old house, though. Yeah. Anyway, this is not a competition of <laughs> no, it's forest. Not. Why are you making it into that? So they live like that. His dad and his elder brother are miners, but they're striking because it's set during the 1984-85 miners' strike in the northeast in a fictional bit of County Durham. Yeah, I read... That's what I thought was weird about the storyline. I mean, it's a minor bit. Oh, I can't use that word. <laughs> Like, it's set in the fictional town of Everington, yeah. which is in the real place of County Durham. Why, why, but why, that makes no sense. Why would you pick a real county and then a fictional place? Why, why not just set it somewhere real? Um, anyway, sorry, the plot of the film. Yeah, so his dad and his elder brother are miners who are striking because Thatcher's trying to shut down the mines, so they've decided to shut them down first. Is that right? Yeah, well, you can't lose your job if if you're... Not doing your job? Yeah. What's that phrase? Ain't no party like an escalate party. <laughs> so they're striking, uh, but some people are still going through to work, through the picket lines. I feel like this was a big deal in the day, and so there's still some talk nowadays in the 2020s about trade unions and picket lines and strikes. But it, it all feels a bit half-hearted compared to how it looked in the film. That looked like serious yeah. strike business. Yeah, I feel like now if people are angry, they'll just sort of sign an e-petition rather than throw eggs at a bus. And nobody's saying you can't do both, people. Okay. <laughs> we got uh, attempted egging once outside of our poorhouse. But all that kid that who dealt drugs, house. yeah, yeah. Um, so we did live in quite a yeah 
in quite a poor area, poor in in many senses of the word. Um, his parent, his dad, and his brother are striking. Oh yes, he's sent to boxing lessons. That's where it all sort of turns on. He's sent to boxing lessons, which seems to be the family pastime for the lads in the family. Um, I think it's sort of to make sure he doesn't turn gay, because what going to boxing lessons? Yeah, it seemed like you have to be the blokiest bloke. And the worst part was to be gay. So he goes inside the sports hall to do boxing. And his friend w- says, oh, no, I'm not coming inside. And his friend turns out to be gay. And it felt like that was the thing. Does that make sense? So you'd send your kid to get quite close and intimate with another kid, both wearing shorts, getting physical together... And that would stop you being gay. I feel like you've never heard of sports before. <laughs> like, yeah, communal showering is uh, a thing. Yeah. Okay, so if you were 10, would you prefer to box or ballet? In fact, you don't even have to be 10. You can be your own age. I was going to say, a tricky question for 10-year-old Dan. Um, what was I doing at 10 years old? Oh, I, I know what I was doing. What were you doing at 10 years old? Go on. I went to a roller disco every Friday. I was living my best life. And I was in a rap band. Was that when you had those orange jeans? Yep. Oh, I had the coolest life. <sighs> I don't know if 10-year-old me had the coolest life. I don't really remember. I was probably big into rugby. I wanted to be quite good at rugby. My dad was quite good at rugby. And so I was playing it as well, which was nice. I enjoyed playing rugby. Um, I'd probably choose boxing as a 10-year-old me. Really? I think so, yeah. I have nothing against ballet. Uh, in fact, I was I was reminded of... Um, there's an interview with Darcy Bustle, who was uh, is an ex-prima ballerina. Um and there's an interview with her in the documentary Jump, Jump London about parkour, and she talks about how it's exciting to watch somebody move through a space, watch somebody who's really in control of their body, watch somebody at the top of their game, um, and that's in the and that's in the context of parkour or ballet. And I I enjoy watching ballet, like I think it's incredible to watch what these people can do because. It is incredible. It is Have amazing. Have you ever watched real ballet? Um, when you say you enjoy watching ballet. Oh, like, do you mean have I ever gone to the ballet? Yeah. No, I'm too poor. <laughs> That's what I thought. So when you say you enjoy watching ballet, what do you mean? I enjoy Googling <laughs> ballet dancers. <laughs> that just sounds really pervy. Oh, let me tell you a pervy ballet story. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is going to this is gonna make things better. So when I was in year six, this is possibly the only time I've seen a ballet um I went on a school trip and uh with my I was sat with my friend Frankie who was in my rap band yeah um shout out to her and I don't know why I remember this this is irrelevant but we bought one of those boxes of fruit pasta do you remember when it came in a box no it was like in a cardboard box it was like no, but they were like the ballet fruit pastel. Oh, you don't know. I you don't know. Real ballet, but this is like 
another bonus of ballet is <laughs> you get fruit pastels, but they're not in a tube. They're in a in a cardboard box, kind of like the size of those like Kellogg's mini cereals. You get a variety pack of fruit pastels. Well, not like eight. You don't get eight. You get a box, and it's like a pound in the 90s. Anyway, we had our fruit pastels, and then it was like 20p to buy binoculars. And you know how the men ballerinas don't wear the tutus? Yes, I've heard. And they just wear tights, Mm -hmm. and you can see everything. That is hilarious if you attend. In fact, any age... (laughs) <laughs> take out if you're dead. It's hilarious to just zoom in with the pervy binoculars on a man's bits. That's our top tip if you ever go into the ballet. Spend twenty P on the opera glasses and get a good get a good old look. So that's genuinely all I remember from the ballet is fruit pastels. And crotch. And penises. <laughs> Pastels and penises. Uh, The ballet. It's a good name for a um, (laughs) live art workshop. (laughs) Pastels and penises. Yeah. Oh, what, like, as in, like, colouring pastels? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I get it. You mean, like, uh, not live art, like... um, Life drawing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've ruined my own joke by getting it wrong. I think we were d- explaining the storyline. Yeah, he wants... So he goes into box, and then he dis- he discovers that he's not good at boxing, even though he thinks he is. And then he sort of slopes off to the side of the h- hall where there's a ballet lesson going on, and some, girls go- some girl goes, why don't you try it then? That was meant to be a northeastern <laughs> accent. Why don't you try ballet? And he goes, oh, all right. And that's how he gets into ballet. Yeah, I thought that was slightly unrealistic I feel like a a kid of me need a bit more persuading than that I felt like that too like he's 11 years old or whatever and a girl sort of like doesn't even really dare him just says go on no but the teacher kind of dares him yeah that's when he'd already started joining in she throws in the shoes yeah yeah I, I felt like there's moments where Billy Elliot, the character, is really driven and like a really self-motivated 11-year-old, which I didn't, I don't know, you know, that's fine, but I just felt like that bit, if it's going to be the boy who gets into ballet, it's like over in two seconds, the beginning of him getting into ballet. Yeah. Anyway, carry on Carry on with the uh, plot line. Uh, he gets into ballet and then... And he secretly goes. Oh, he secretly ballets. dad thinks he's doing boxing because it's in the same hall. And then the boxing coach, who's also a striking minor, says to his dad that he hasn't been for ages. And his dad his dad finds out that he's been doing ballet. Is that right? Oh, he, f- he finds him in the hall. Yeah, and he's not happy. He's not a happy man. Uh, his dad is a widower, so his mum, Billy Elliot's mum's died. And his dad sort of... Is that I feel I feel like he's that typical eighties bloke who has not processed any emotions other than yeah. like I want to hit things. Yeah, it just all comes out as anger. I feel like they just all need a big hug. Gay <laughs> That's sorry, that I was acting that's what they would say. <laughs> Don't let another man touch me. 
um it, yeah, and counseling and like different therapies and it did make me feel like the power of a parent because all billy really wants is affirmation and the opportunity yeah and a bit of affection and stuff it made me think you have a very different perspective on life if you're the youngest child to the eldest child you i think you're always treated as an average of your age with siblings and so he was like swearing a lot and i don't know they didn't they didn't really look out for his needs as a child it's interesting i feel like it was reflected in the way the film was made as well so in almost all of billy's outdoor shots there's a police presence in the background Mm. i don't know if you noticed like there's a policeman or a couple of policemen walking around or but it's a very innocent interaction with the police it's a very childhood interaction there's one bit where he and debbie are walking along she's running a stick along the wall yeah i like that that's a great it's a great shot that isn't it and then she's running a stick along the riot shields of the police and then it finishes and then she's back onto a wall casually without really noticing whereas all the dad some good little shots and brother interactions with the police are like confrontational violent eventually billy gets the dance teacher julie walters is playing the dance teacher to um teach him one-on-one in secret and he does that for a bit to train him for auditions for dance school yes and she reckons he's good enough to go for the the royal school of ballet which is based in london he misses the audition in newcastle uh because his brother's in court eventually his dad finds out oh yeah and i laughed because billy and his friend michael are in the sports hall at christmas and billy's trying to teach michael to dance ballet as that scene progresses his dad walks in and billy's like defies his dad with dance yeah that is quite funny it i i did an out loud laugh as they say in the kids speak (laughs) Um, because his dad walks in drunk and Billy just like throws his shoulders back, puts his chin up and starts Irish dancing on the floor and then turns it into, you know, all different kinds of dance. I just thought, I have never seen my dad (laughs) angry and thought, I know what will make this better, dance. But that's what actually turns the situation around. And then the dad is like, oh, he's actually good. Okay, fair enough. We'll raise some money for you to get to London. Is the dad qualified to know that he's a good dancer? He sees him dance, he's like, wow, that, I mean, he's really good. Okay. But, yeah, I don't know. That scene, I just, I was carried away by the silliness of it. Okay. Um, so they go down to London. He has an audition at the Royal Ballet School and uh, punches a kid in the face when he thinks yeah, it's going wrong. Yeah, this is what I think is a bit unrealistic. Uh I don't reckon if you punched a kid in the face in an audition for Royal Ballet School, I don't think you'd get in. And and they call him back and they sit in there and he gives a terrible interview and then just as he's walking out, some woman gives him the chance to redeem himself by saying, Billy, what do you feel when you dance? <laughs> and, and he talks about, oh, I don't know, uh, I don't know, uh, electricity or like something, you know. <laughs> and, um, and that gets him in, I think. That's yeah. what I meant to think. I don't think he should have got in. But he gets in, and that's sort of the beginning of the happy ending. 
He gives his friend yeah. a kiss on the cheek, moves to London, and becomes a, a hero ba- ballet dancer. Well, a, yeah. a primo da- ballerina. But it's still kind of a sad ending for everyone else in the film, isn't it? Because the, the miners, the, that didn't end well. They just go back to their depressing lives and they haven't got their son anymore. The film feels like they're still jealous of Billy for getting away. Like, they're not happy that he got out. And that's really underscored for me when um, Billy gets the letter from the Royal Ballet School and he reads it and he gets in and his dad is so excited that he runs down to, like, the working men's club or whatever it is. He runs down to the bar... He barges in and he shouts like to all his mates and all the miners, he got in. And they go, we're going back to work, mate. And it's like, it robs that moment yeah, of joy. It would have like, maybe been a better film if they'd have all been like, yeah. Because they were like raising money for him and stuff, weren't they? So you think yeah. they'd care a bit more. It felt like that was a deliberate choice in the script to not give us that happy... Hooray moment. That's oh. my kind of filming. <laughs> no, I want I want to come out of it feeling like hooray, I could succeed again, you know. You know what was nice for me is the next day, today, today, uh this morning the DVD was out and I was just explaining to Percy our 6-year-old that it was a film about a boy who was into ballet and his dad doesn't want him to do it and then he does it. And Percy was like really surprised that someone wouldn't be allowed to do ballet and he just sort of thinks you should do whatever you want to do. So that's like a nice hope for, for this generation. Yeah, it's really it's really nice to think that we've we have evolved hopefully since the eighties. Um <laughs> and I think you know, I'm not the most macho man. And Percy is a natural dancer. Like, he loves to dance and loves to move. And if he goes on to do stuff with that and it makes him happy, then great, you know? He likes breakdancing. He thinks he's the greatest breakdancer in the world. And to be honest, <laughs> he is. I'm not going dis- to disabuse him of that notion. He's six years old. He's made up all his own moves. He's the greatest breakdancer to have ever lived. And his moves have all got names as well. Can you remember? That? They're, like, named after animals and stuff. Like there's the froggy. Oh yeah, is the, the one dog. where he sort of crouches down. And we've offered him before. We've said, do, "Do you think you would like to go to dance lessons?" And he's like, "No, I just want to do my own moves." Yeah, he had this funny thing about now if I go and they teach me, it's because some somebody else has made up that move, and that's not dance. So <laughs> you know, learning somebody else's moves is not his thing. So it does feel nice that I'm a better dad than Billy's dad. Currently, <laughs> but who knows? If you die and I take up mining, oof. What I did think about the film, um, about the way it was made, is you don't see many films with with this level without much fuss. It felt like a film with no fuss. I think that's British filmmaking for you. I liked it. So yeah. at the start, there's the intro where he's like bouncing on his bed and stuff. Which, you know, was a bit filmy. But after that, it was really just kind of like, put the camera down, do the do the stuff, film it. So it made me think, the guy who wrote it based it on a 
stage play that he'd made and it felt like it was filming a play a bit you know there weren't a lot of complex camera moves or ups and downs and booms and you know whatever dolly shots there was it was just like this is what's happening let's not mess about let's get in and watch it happen yeah i know what you mean and it was it was good I, i i liked the way it was made go on what were you gonna say about it so there's a book called step by step uh about dancing schools in north shields and that is what the play that lee hall wrote was about was kind of based on heavily Mm -hmm. based on and that became the script of the film yeah and then after the film was made someone called melvin burgess made the film into a novel so everyone's basically just copying each other imagine watching a film and being like oh i'm gonna write a novel now it's the exact it's the exact film like that's the wrong way round. like i get when novels get made into films but you can't just go to the cinema and be like oh i'm gonna write this novel i've got a great idea for a novel called billy elliot do you remember that time when our friend uh joy came to a fancy dress party in her ballet shoes like the proper ones that mess with your feet what are they called point something so i think the is it on point is the move isn't it but I the um the toe crushers the toe crushers and she went to the chippy in them you know what right i didn't think i did remember that story but now you've said she went to the chippy in those shoes i feel like i have a vague across the chippy that was across the street from our it was from your old house, yeah, and we were all dressed as different things. My old house or our old it house? It might have been the time that you were dressed as a gorilla. I see. No, now I don't think I remember that. Oh, I don't know. I remember being dressed as a gorilla. Anyway, she went to the chippy in them shoes. And now she's married to a Broadway star? Yeah. An um, actual man dancer. A professional man dancer. That's that's his <laughs> title. He's on LinkedIn under professional man dancer. <laughs> I wonder if he started off as a boxer or whether his parents just let him do what he wanted to do. I feel like I remember him saying he danced from a very young age, but I don't know. Anyway, very nice guy, very good dancer. Oh, yes, I've put theft from a library is okay if it's for cultural purposes. Yeah, I'd agree with that because (laughs) libraries are there for like... The point of libraries is that they were set up for like cultural thing to like help educate people who didn't have money didn't have the resources to get educated in other ways and there wasn't the internet uh so i was going to ask you some questions have you ever done something where you're the only one of that gender does that make sense yes if you ever does been make sense. the only man in a room of women doing a thing uh, i was offered the opportunity to study my french a level uh, at an all-girls school and because i was uh, put on the spot, incredibly shy, especially around girls at that time. Aww. I said no, which is a regret because French A-level would have been easy for me. That was an easy grade that I turned down because women intimidated me. <laughs> but imagine if you'd fallen in love with a French A-level girl and married her and said... Imagine the podcast we'd have. <laughs> <laughs> would it be in French? 
But of course, my dear. <laughs> no, probably not. I mean, you don't. I don't think we would have based that fictional podcast up upon the uh, fictional lesson <laughs> that we met in. <laughs> hmm. Uh, I wanted to ask you a question. Yes. Have you ever opened a letter like that, like where what? you felt like your whole future rested on the the contents of a letter? No, I I remember getting rejected from Manchester Uni. That was my first choice uni, and I was a bit sad about that. And then I got into Liverpool. But think of the podcast I could have made <laughs> from someone <laughs> I met in Manchester. Oh wow! I'd listen to that. <laughs> Have you got any favourite quotes from the film, my love? Oh, yes, I have. It is... Oh, I wish I could do the accent. Wait, can you just read this in, in that in the accent? Because you're better at accents. If you want, I'll show you me funny. <laughs> and then there's, a, there's a, quite a long pause while Billy Elliot packs his bags and he goes, Nah, you're all right. <laughs> that was also my favourite line from the film. <laughs> that and the, I shall defy my father with dance. Have you ever expressed yourself creatively when you're angry? Uh, yeah, once or twice at the piano. Really? Do you just bash on it like, let me just go to the piano? Go on, take your microphone with you. Oh, don't bash that really loud though, because it's like late and our kids are asleep. Is that what you do when you're angry at the piano, or twinkle, twinkle, little star? That <laughs> was, wasn't it? Or not? No. Um, so I've been playing the piano since I was seven years old. <laughs> uh, just for people. So you grew up in poverty. Well, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't my piano. But we did get. We did have a. We were given a piano. Right. But we didn't have a TV until I was eight. Does that help? <laughs> and we didn't have an inside toilet until I was twenty-five. <laughs> um, and I never. <laughs> I only ever used to wipe my bum on a stray cat. Um, <laughs> so I've been playing the piano since I was seven. But you had a pet cat. <laughs> Why did you have to have a stray cat? To I'm not going to wipe my bum on my own cat. <laughs> See, you posh. <laughs> <laughs> As if that's posh. The true test of whether you're posh or not is, would you wipe your bum, your pooey bum, on your own cat, or just a stray? <laughs> oh, I had a dream about poo last night. It's so sad. We got up at like five in the morning to wipe our three-year-old's bum and then i went back to bed and just dreamt about poo it was so grim anyway carry on Where well that's we? only because i'd got up the <laughs> other two times so i was like i'm not doing that again you can sort it out yeah but I did you open us no not even my own i just found a stray cat <laughs> and just did my business um <laughs> yes i started playing piano when i was seven so i like to think that i'm not bad at it and I like to think that playing the piano is quite cathartic. There's something in music that transcends language. Yeah, so when I sit down at the piano to deal with my anger or whatever, it's probably with headphones on on a keyboard. Yeah, I might play loud or angry, but it's also a bit more nuanced. I don't play a lot of loud, angry piano, personally. Mm. That does sound like a good way of expressing yourself. My sister Sarah does does that sometimes. Whereas because I can't play the piano, I just have to punch people when I'm mad. Yeah, you are dangerous to be around, especially mm. if you're close to like a knife or a gun or a, <laughs> an ICBM or something. 
What's an ICBM? It's an intercon- intercontinental ballistic missile. It's basically <laughs> a massive country-destroying rocket. Oh, right. It makes you think of it. You know BN the biscuit? Oh, I love a BN. Like just an I- a one that's been in the freezer. ICBN. An ICBN. Oh, I get it. I get it, yeah. We should move to France. <laughs> they have BNs there. BM, BM. And uh, cheese. And no one has ever said... <laughs> Um, <laughs> how, have you ever expressed yourself creatively when you were angry? Um, yeah, I think I've tried draw. I've tried some sort of like therapeutic drawing. I've I've burned stuff before. I've hit sticks against trees. Okay. <laughs> how, how creative? I don't know if that's creative. Yeah, I, I don't think this is not the anger therapy podcast. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I thought you were my therapist. Yeah, that was that was going to be your Manchester husband. No. Um, no, I think there's a point of uh, at which you're angry, which I don't think you can be very creative. Like if you're consumed with I think it is good anger. to do something, because sometimes it's, it's kind of tempting to just switch up, like to just put the TV on or something and just try and like block it out. It's quite nice. I quite like to go for a cycle sometimes when I'm just feeling a bit stressed. I don't know, just something physical. Yeah, I think it's good to acknowledge it and not try and suppress it. Yep. And find a healthy way out. Would you ever burn a piano for firewood? Yeah, if we were that cold and poor, yeah. It's quite a short-term solution. What's the long-term piano solution, though? Becoming a pianist, making money, buying firewood. Uh, I think that's a bit too long-term. Okay, for medium term. Freezing to death. Go to a go and go to a wood and find some sticks. Yeah, or um, burn some coal. Oh yeah. I mean, they were miners, my love. He did at one point, um, when they're short of money to get Billy down to London, he does go to Cash for Gold, cashmygold.com, and um, sell off all Billy's mum's trinkets, which is um, which is nice. I think that's nice. I'm not sure. Yeah, no point keeping gold from a dead person. I mean... Really? If it goes towards something nice. Um, I enjoyed... Are there any scenes you enjoyed? I quite enjoyed that scene change where he was... It was like in the summertime, he was sort of doing a dance and then he goes sort of against the wall and then you can see like tiny specks of snow and then he sort of like shrugs his coat on, which wasn't on before, and it turns around and it's winter. Yeah, It's hard to explain, but that that was cool. I thought it was nicely done, a nice transition. Um, and thinking about how they must have shot that and how tightly they must have blocked that off and got it in. Um, yep. It was nice done. Like I said before, I liked the bit where they're walking along, Debbie's running a stick along the wall, then she runs it along the riot shields of the police and then back along the wall again. I thought it wasn't very showy, which I liked again. So a lot of it was just capturing what was there um, little film fact for you. The budget for this film was five million and it made back it did very well, it won loads and loads of awards and it made back a hundred and nine million. 
pretty good investment. Pretty good return on your investment. That um, is that as good as the alien stock market we uh, <laughs> recommended you invest in earlier? Yeah. Who knows? Episode two. Callback. I thought, by the way, he looked a bit too old, and he was like thirteen, and he looked thirteen, but he was playing an eleven-year-old. Yeah, you're kind of spookily good at getting kids' ages, whereas honestly, uh, mm, I couldn't have told you that he looked. He 13. was just a bit too old, a bit too tall. How could you tell how tall he was? Well, compared to other, he was the the height. He was almost the height of adults, of women. Of women, adults. And eleven-year-old boys can be pretty small. I don't know. I you're good at that. I'm not. Um, so. Well done, you. Shall we do a quick credit shout-out? Yes. It's time for the credit shout-out. Shout-out! Shout-out! That's what this podcast is all about. We big up a person with a silly job or name. Like Shugo. This is bound to lead to their future fame. The dining bus driver, Paul Brosnan. Now, is the bus itself dining? Or is that. I don't know what that even means. Yeah, exactly. I don't know either. Paul, will you please contact (laughs) us and tell us what you did on this movie? Because we don't understand. You're listed in the credits. That's great. Power to you. What did you do? Uh. These three people listed as additional help. What does that mean? Did they do anything? Or were they just there for like, oh, I need something photocopying. (laughs) Off you go, Paddy. One of them's called Paddy here, it says. Uh, Like, again, Paddy O'Connor, your additional help on this film. Please tell us what you did. How do I get to be additional help on a Hollywood film? Because that sounds like a bit of a wheeze. It's not Hollywood. It's BBC. Ah, that sounds even easier. (laughs) I don't even have to leave the country. My last shout out goes to the line producer, Tory Party. <laughs> Sorry, who now? Tory Parry. Oh yeah, Freudian but that stuff. is an unfortunate name on a on a film about <laughs> minors, especially. Imagine being called Tory Parry. What's like? It, I don't Parry know what a line producer is either. Sounds a bit drugsy to me. Mm, it could be. Parry makes me think of like. Uh, parry and repost like so that's a fencing move but it makes me think of like a comeback so what's like a Tory comeback uh your poor ha ha <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it's terribly sorry but uh, we're still closing the mines oh no it's your own fault that's that's a Tory comeback <laughs> oh, it's gosh. like oh well you know you're not working hard enough or something yes if you wanted free school meals you should have worked harder oh yeah um <coughs> did we have anything else we want to say about what Billy did you think of the soundtrack uh it's good quite a lot of t-rex mark boland stuff um it's got the same song that's in moulin rouge it has children of the revolution i don't think yeah that is its name isn't it yeah um yeah i also noticed um the use of themes or leap motifs in in the score so that when Billy's opening his um, letter and you don't know whether he's got it or he hasn't, well I mean you should by now, the film's 20 years old uh, they play Billy's theme of a little piano motif 
<laughs> what is it? Was that the countdown? <laughs> Billy. Like I said, I'm not musical. <laughs> like a ma, 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 <laughs> Wasn't in this film, thankfully. Um, and so that's when you know he's got in when they play Billy's theme just after that. So I felt like it was a little musical clue. For all you musicians out there. For all you people with ears. I like the first song. What was that? Sing it for uh, us. <laughs> is it? Is it? We like to boogie. Oh no! Go on. Sorry. What? You dance yourself right out of the room. Something like that. <laughs> is that a song? Am I making this up? Genuinely. I've no idea what Okay, you're that's about. in it somewhere, something a bit like that. Oh, I did like the boogie one. I like that was like my favourite bit. Like that dance was my favourite dance of his. And the angry dance was quite cool. So is the angry dance the one he does to his dad? No, there's one where he's like he's like rubbing his hands on the wall at the beginning and then he's like in a toilet and like just all over the streets, just sort of dancing angrily. You said to me, as it happened actually now, you said to me, oh, this is my favourite dance film. And I watched it and I just felt like, I don't know, maybe it was over-choreographed or something. It felt like this is how people think dance kids dance when they're angry. I don't know, it didn't ring true for me. Like, it was a good dance. It just felt a bit strange. I don't know. I, I think in general, look, just in general, the choreography was really good and really, like, I think Jamie Bell, obviously a talented dancer. Well done. The film made me think of that guy that's done that TED Talk that's, like, the most watched TED Talk about education and creativity. So Ken Robinson. He ta- tell the story about the dancer. Uh, the story, as I remember it, he tells, and it's a great TED Talk about... Are we educating out creativity? I think it's something like that. He tells the story of like a young girl who goes into a doctor's surgery um, because her parents take her in because she can't stay still. And they ask the doctor to look at her and the doctor talks to them and talks to her. And then he takes the parent out of the room, but he puts some music on and the girl gets up to dance, I think, to the music. And the, and the doctor says she doesn't need medicine she needs to dance it's it's a paraphrase and it's a really lovely talk and then she goes on to be uh sorry for talking over it she goes on to be an award-winning choreographer and dancer in her own right and it's sort of i think he's making the point about don't medicate your kids basically yeah because he said nowadays they would be diagnosed with like adhd or something like that and given medication and I'm not trying to diss anyone that has got ADHD or I don't know, but it was an interesting point. She went on to choreograph Cats and some other famous things. Oh, wow. I didn't realise that was her. Like I, I don't mean actual <laughs> cats. They're the ones that keep coming past my door. <laughs> imagine if, imagine if cats that you've wiped your arse on <laughs> came back and did a dance. Please stop, Mr. Jones. <laughs> 
you're freaking out our bones and our fur. You are making things worse for us. Why do you think we go round stinking of poo? It's your poo. It's your poo. It's your poo. I've never seen Cats the Musical, but it sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> Memories of when my fur was clean <laughs> and new. Um, I've never seen cats either. But I wouldn't want to because the cats have boobs and that really creeps me out. I think that's only in the most recent one where they were like, you know what cats need? <laughs> Tits. <laughs> we need to make a new advert and I'll just use that clip. <laughs> you say, you know. You know what cats need? Tits. <laughs> is like a dirty old man. <laughs> is that your impression of me? <laughs> That's my generic man. Dirty old man. Oh, thanks. I'm your husband, but I don't even warrant my <laughs> own impression. You just fall under generic man impression. Um, what we're saying? Yeah, I sometimes think about Sir Ken Robinson's talk because of our six-year-old person who loves to dance and move. He's always moving and always talking. And I have to try and deal with that because I much prefer the quiet to the talk. <laughs> the talking is annoying. So he has these like imagination games in his head, but they're not really in his head. They're out loud, but kind of all the time where he's like fighting superheroes and you can stop him and have a conversation and be like, what are you doing? And he and he will tell you, but then he'll just go back to like and just making noises. It is odd. It is unusual. I what wonder, should we do? Write in. I wonder what's going on. So I think there's that whole thing about external processor versus internal processor. I don't know when people learn to think thoughts in their head. Will he do that? He doesn't do it now, and I'm w- not he expecting He never it. learns that. Well, you don't really think... You say everything that comes into your head. Mm, but I don't pretend that I'm fighting superheroes. Yeah, but maybe that's just because you're not six anymore. Mm. Um, so I do think about Ken Robinson and his kind of... Um, his let the dancers dance thing. That's what I'm going to yeah. call it. That's how I'm going to paraphrase it. It's a really good TED Talk. You should go and watch it. Do you know what film is the opposite of this film? Bandit Like Beckham. Because that's like girls that want to do football, but football is a boy thing. What's the next film, Dan? Yes, so that was Billy Elliot. The next film, we're going to go slightly more recent, love. I feel like we've been... Yeah, apologies. All our films have been like late 90s. Early noughties. We've been locked in that, so we're going to come just a little bit more recent. Um, We were having a discussion the other day when we realised that you've never seen a superhero film. No. So we're going to watch the second of Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy, The Dark Knight. It's a really good film. Have you ever seen it before? No, or else we couldn't do it on this podcast. Do you know what happens? Uh... I'm going to say, I'm going to guess, there's a man, he's like a normal man, and then something happens and he becomes Batman. He eats a bat from a Chinese market (laughs) in Wuhan. He becomes Batman. Bat, Wuhan man. 
and then he's got like bat powers. I don't know what bats can do. Like, are they really good? Oh, they've got really good hearing. Bats, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, he gets really good hearing, and he can hear like a cough that's five hundred miles away, and that's just very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> that's my guess. The story of good hearing and annoyance. <laughs> That's the Batman films. Um, I don't know why I asked you that. I just thought it might be interesting. Don't know. We're going to watch The Dark Knight. So tune in next week for that. You can follow us on Instagram at I Wouldn't Watch and send us a message there. And if you've got Apple Podcasts, we would be super grateful if you would be able to leave us a little review uh, preferably five stars. Thanks. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much. Keep dancing, all you Fatimas out there. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. And uh, apologies to the miners. I hope you found a new job by now. You should have. <laughs> it was the eighties. Come on. I like how you went from apologies, <laughs> slight concern to nah, nah. If you haven't got a new job by now, it's your own fault, mate. Yep. All right, see ya. (laughs) Bye.